Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts as important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner Gene! Gene Fodor. Gene was wounded. But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, listeners. This is producer DJ Daniel. The following episode was recorded before the horrible events in Monterey Park. The team will release an episode addressing the situation once more details have emerged. Thank you and enjoy. It's Lunar New Year's! Yay! Happy New Year's! It's 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 the New Year's special. It's me, Mia. I've got I've got Shireen with me. Yeah. How Happy. how are you doing? I guess I guess it's I guess it's not the New Year yet while we're recording it, but it will be by the time you hear this. That counts. That counts. Yeah. Um. I. I'm good. I'm. I got a cat recently, and I called <gasps> her Bunny. And oh. then I learned later that this year is the year of the rabbit. So yeah. I feel really <laughs> happy about that. Aww. I feel really pumped year. for this year. Yeah. Exactly. Oh. <laughs> so I'm good. I'm good. That's a, that, that's an amazing. Have, having new cat is an amazing way to start any year. Yes. Yes. I agree. This is very exciting. Do you know what else is very exciting? Uh, transitions. Please. They pay me to do this. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> For some reason. All right. This 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 year, we're going to talk about Chinese restaurant syndrome and the whole sort of anti-MSG craze. Yes. So. That was, that's always been so big. I don't know. I grew up in like a, I don't know, a diverse area in San Diego, but we would always go to pho like regularly. And the no MSG was like all over the menu and everything. It's like this thing that. I mean, in every restaurant I went to, basically, it was just like, come to us. There's no MSG. So I'm really curious how it started, because growing up, I was like, OK, MSG is bad, I guess. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah, I feel like it wasn't it wasn't weirdly. It wasn't as intense where I was growing up. But that was like, I don't know, it was it was a very white suburb. Mm-hmm. But and people people were still freaked out about MSG, but it wasn't. But like the the the, the Asian restaurants didn't like talk about it ever. Mm. 
I don't know, but it was still it was still very sort of like like I remember I would go to like eat dinner with like white families and they'd be talking about MSG and I was right. like what yeah <laughs> like, it was a hot topic okay. for a good amount of time yeah having now talked about MSG for a bit we should we should ask like what what is MSG yes what and is it? the answer okay so MSG stands for monosodium glutamate which is it's just a salt basically okay. it's salt with like glutamate in it it has a bunch of umami in it um, I'm I'm gonna read this thing from Kenji from Serious Eats because. Every 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 single article start that starts about this has like this exact paragraph in it, so I'm just gonna read it instead of try to rewrite this paragraph that everyone's I written. I respect that. I respect that. MSG is a sodium salt of glutamic acid, an A amino acid. It was first isolated in 1908 by Japanese biochemist Kikue Ikeda, who was trying to discover what exactly gave dashi, the Japanese flavored broth with komba, Japanese giant sea kelp, its strong savory character. Turns out that komba is packed with glutamic acid. It was Akita who coined the term umami, which roughly translates as savory, to describe the glutamic acid and other similar amino acids. Until that point, scientists had only discovered the other four flavors sensed by the tongue in the soft palate. Salty, sweet, sour, and bitter. By 1909, pure crystallite MSG extracted from the abundant kelp in the sea around Japan was being sold under the brand name Ajinomoto, roughly, element of flavor. The company exists to this day. Now, keep that in mind. That's going to be important to the last part of the story. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in the meantime, you know, around around, around 1908, it, w- once this is discovered, it turns into this sort of enormous industry. Um, mm-hmm. Here's from a, a, a pretty good Men's Health article about it. By the 1940s, a number of American companies were producing MSG domestically for the consumer. The most famous being Accent. Okay, there, there's like... It's spelled act. It's it's accent, but it's spelled A C apostrophe C E N T. That's not. That's, yeah. No. No. That's. I, you lost me. Yeah. No. Accent. Yeah. Which was ad. It's it's yeah. I. Advertising is a bleak place. Oh yeah, that's that's a different episode. I think maybe it's part well, of this one too. Partially, yeah. yes. Also partially yeah. this episode, but. Yeah, the most famous one being Accent, which was advertised as pure monosodium glutamate that, quote, makes food flavors sing. Various food magazines and community cookbooks featured the additive as an ingredient in the likes of fried chicken wings and barbecue sauce recipes. By 1969, 58 million pounds of MSG were being produced in the U.S. per year, says food historian Ian Mosby, Ph.D., for an entire generation. The ingredient was presented in a dizzying array of food products. Breakfast cereals, TV dinners, frozen vegetables, baby food, and soup, produced by beloved brands such as Campbell's and Swanson, which today offer foods products free of MSG additives. And okay, if you think about this for a second, it's actually really weird that MSG is thought of as a Chinese thing, mm. because like, okay, MSG all told has only been around for like a hundred years, right? Yeah, and it, it's heavily used in the U.S. for like thirty or forty years. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's not in. It's not really in China for that much longer than it's in the U.S., and it's used in just, like, a bunch of American food. How did that start? Do we know how that association started and continued? Yeah, like, we'll, we'll get... It, 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 mo- it mostly has to do with, like, it has to do with restaurants, and it specifically has to do with the part that we're getting to about this letter, which is weird. Also, I, I will say, like, th- there are a lot of Chinese families that, like, just use MSG for, like, their cooking, Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my my house never did it because we're lazy and most of our cooking involves like as few ingredients and prep as possible so yeah. we just like i think it's also really in 
uh, Vietnamese food, I feel like, uses it a lot too. That's yeah. that, that was my first association with it. So I just associate, I mean, because I'm, I was, I don't know, 14. I just was yeah. like, okay, this is Vietnamese. Uh, but that's really interesting to just know, like, well, it's originally know, Japanese to too. Things. Like, yeah, I mean, it's Asian. It's yeah, it's Asian. yeah, yeah. I don't know, but like, it, it is just, it is just, it's just interesting. Like the U, like people in the U.S. were just like, I don't know. It's like in it's it was in everything. People in the U.S. were also just using it to cook food. This is also a thing that like people in China use a lot too. So it, it's not that like Chinese people don't do it. It's just that like. Everybody, like the moment everyone got it, they were like, "Oh my god, this makes our food taste better. We yeah. should use more of it." Of course. I mean, yeah. I'm I'm assuming once it got demonized, it was like, "Oh, this is a Chinese thing." But I don't know for sure. Yeah, so yeah. I'll, I will be patient. Yeah. So this is this is in fact the next thing. So nobody really cared about it until 1968 rolled around. Wow. So for those 60 years, MSG was like, yeah, everyone just used it. King. Nobody. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm forgetting where I'm, I'm going to read apart from this journal article and I've forgotten to put in what journal it's from because I'm a hack and a fraud. Uh, I think it's the journal Natural Health. 60% sure about that. That sounds right to me. <laughs> yeah, sure. It's, it's from it's from some journal. Some doctors wrote it. Quote, in the spring of 1968, Dr. Robert Homan Guo wrote to the New England Journal of Medicine asking the assistance of the journal's readership in, in identifying the source of a phenomenon that Dr. Guo labeled the Chinese restaurant syndrome, CRS. Numbness of his back and neck palpitations and general weakness after he consumed meals in Chinese restaurants. Dr. Guo hypothesized that the source of his syndrome might be a reaction to the soy sauce, the cooking wine, the high sodium content of the food, or to the flavor-enhancing monosodium glutamate, MSG. Within two months, the journal received a flurry of letters from readers who had noticed a similar phenomenon after eating restaurant-prepared Chinese food. So, this is the start of, mm. of this whole thing. And there's one thing I need to point out right away that th is in almost every single article about this that is wrong, which is that this th this this article says that he's talking about Chinese food, which is true, but very specifically. And this and this is this is going to be very important in about 10 minutes. Well, I don't know. 10 minutes. It's going to be important soon, which is he specifically has a thing about how this is about northern Chinese food. Hmm. And, you know, this is something that this is something that everyone everyone sort of misses. The, the, the other thing that's interesting about this is that, you know, he 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 says it could be MSG, but, you know, he, he's treating MSG exactly like all of the rest of the other stuff that's in the that's in the food. Right. He mm. lists soy sauce. He lists cooking wine. Maybe there, he's like, OK, maybe there's too much salt. Right. Like he, he's not really doing an MSG thing. But everyone who reads this immediately focuses on the MSG. OK, so before I started researching this, I had heard that this whole letter was actually fake and was oh. actually a prank. And, you know, th this is this is a thing that's like it, it is, it's kind of like. OK, so the, the, the story behind this was that it was supposed to have been a prank by a white guy named Dr. Steele who made it up as a joke. And this is a sort of like a folk it, like, OK, so this story is not true. The story I'm about to say is not true. It, it, it turns out this letter is actually real. But there was there was basically a, a, a story that went around that it was this guy named Dr. Steele who had made it up as a way to get published in a journal for like a bet mm. because like Dr. Steele like claimed responsibility for it. And that got out to researchers. But I it turns. See. Yeah. And so for a bit, everyone was like, oh, my God, this whole thing was started by a prank. But it turns out that's also not true. So it, it, uh, this American life figured out that. 
Dr. Robert Homenkwa is a real guy. Uh, Dr. Steele had pretended that he he made, said that he made up the name. It's not true. There's a real guy. They talked to his family and his colleagues, and all of them were like, oh, no, Gua, like, wrote this thing. And interestingly, there's a lot of racism here, too, because Dr. Steele had claimed that Homenkwa, which is... Okay, so th- this is where things get weird. Um, I'm, I'm saying Gua because that's how you actually pronounce it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's spelled H-O-M-A-N... K W O K. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. So th- this that's is this is thought. some. That's not what I thought. <laughs> yeah. So this is some weird Giles bullshit. The previous attempt to sort of Romanize Chinese mm-hmm. was this thing called Wid Giles, and it, it is the bane of my existence. It's dog shit. Hi, this is Mia in post. I made a mistake here. K W O K is actually the standard Cantonese spelling of Gua. Uh, sorry about that. I am a dipshit who does not speak Cantonese. <laughs> uh, yeah. Enjoy the rest of the show. They heard someone say Gua and were like, this is KW. It's like, no, no, it's not. Please. That's, that oh. is so, that's bad. It's literally that's the bad. worst. Like if, 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 you, if you ever, you know, so, sometimes if you'll, if you're, if you're looking at Chinese things, you'll see something that's just spelled really weirdly. Like, mm-hmm. or for example, like the way that Chiang Kai-shek is spelled is actually like, like is, is actually a way Giles thing. Like there, there's, there's a whole bunch of like, things that are like that. that yeah yeah, yeah. That you can find um i don't know that that's i mean that explains a lot but yeah it's what well, and, and part part of the other thing that's happening too here is that like so and then this is also gonna be important later kuo is, is a is a, a cantonese last name mm-hmm. um but it's it's it, it gets really really confusing really quickly if you don't know what's going on because if, if 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 you're reading if you're reading a word that's in Chinese in the U.S., it could either be in Mandarin or in Cantonese, and it also could be either written with the, the terrible right. way Giles one, or it could be in Pinyin, which is like the the one that's actually sort of usable. Um, but Doctor Steele, because so again, the, the 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 way it's written is H O M A N K W O K, and. Dr. Steele claims that he wrote it to be like human crock of shit, like ho man crock. Yeah. Excuse me? I people like, Dr. people believed Dr. him. Dr. Steele like, to be Yeah, well he's dead, so fuck him. Again. Uh, yeah. I yeah. Don't know. That's that's so disgusting. Yeah, like this is this is so racist. And it's like oh God. You know, but this like people people believe this for a while because mm-hmm. i don't know but okay so eventually people figure out that it's not true and i i'm going to read something from from the this american life piece where they talk about how they figured out that it was actually like that homenkwa was like actually a real guy mm-hmm. and when you read the original letter there are details that seem more likely to come from her father which is Gua's uh, father than from howard How- howard steals the doctor like when he said he moved to the U.S., which the real Dr. Guo did, and how he's very specific, the syndrome happens with northern Chinese food. In the 60s, how many white guys in Philadelphia could have made that distinction? Also, Homan Guo is an actual Cantonese name. What are the odds that Dr. Steele threw together random sounding Chinese syllables to arrive at that? So, okay, I read that and I had a revelation. I, I cracked this case wide the fuck open. I figured it out. I figured out what was going on with this letter. Okay, I'm so, so excited for this. This is I, okay. I, I've been hyping this up for like hours. I'm but, so but, excited. So some BTS of this. We have like a group chat essentially, and I did I wasn't sure if I could make this recording. 
But then Mia dropped that that bomb being like, I have this big break breakthrough. And I was like, I, I got to be there. I just got to be there. And so I kicked James out because James couldn't make the yeah. time I could make. And so here I am. Yeah. I apologize. Right. I, I, have, I, I, have, I have not told Shireen what the breakthrough no, is. So I this am is, you're very all excited at the same time. to hear. Yes. Okay. So Homan Guo is Cantonese, right? Mm-hmm. And he specifies in this letter that this is about northern Chinese food. My thesis right here, right now, is that this whole letter is actually about is actually about Cantonese anti-Northern sentiment. Oh. This is a whole ass thing in China. So uh, Canton or like the, 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 the region that was called Canton, the West is like where Cantonese people are. This is like this is the very south of China. Right. There is a whole ass thing in China let like people from the north, people from the south hate each other. Um, it's actually very weird. So my, my family is like half from the north, half from the south. And like when my mom was growing up, she like she would like get made fun of for how she like rolled dumplings because people were like, oh, you roll dumplings like a southerner. And she's like, <laughs> it is a whole fucking thing. It's like people That's, hate I each mean, other. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, how else? How would you know those intricacies? You know what I mean? Unless you were from there, or like had history there. That's yeah. Well, I mean, I would say this, this is the thing that's, that, that that's persisted in the U.S. too. You, you still you still run into this stuff. Like there, there, there are like there are definitely like Cantonese restaurants where like you probably shouldn't speak Mandarin. They're like there's oh. there's like this is this is still a thing. It's not really talked about very much because it's like. It, it, it's it's kind of an internal Chinese thing, but you know you, the, the one place you actually really got to see this, you got to see this from the Hong Kong, during the Hong Kong protests on both sides, because like okay, so it, it, there there there's a strain of the sort of like like there, there's a strain of Chinese nationalism that's very sort of like it was doing this like really virulent sort of like anti-southern racism mm-hmm. from you know you get this from a lot of the Chinese nationalists on the CCP side. There's another faction of like the Hong Kong protesters whose like thing was like we're not actually Chinese because we're not like the northerners who are communist and like evil which which is really right. funny because yeah. like you know like okay the if 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 you if you run through the actual history of communism in China it's like okay like the like one 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 of the, one of the largest communist like strikes that ever happened was in Hong Kong like yeah. <laughs> sure fine yeah. but you know but and obviously like I'm I'm simplifying all of this enormously because it's very complicated it, there's a lot of regional shit that's going on here yeah but so your the- your thesis is that the, the person that started all of this was like maybe like from the south or like just like yeah yeah i mean that, that is yeah. that is definite like that is that is like the like that is the most cantonese ass name i've ever heard like that, that guy that guy that guy is definitely from southern china and yeah my, my thesis is specifically it's this cantonese guy going hey fuck those northerners i hate their i hate their asses i hate their food their food ain't shit wow. eating it makes me sick but because because this is the u.s the, the subtlety of this gets lost mm-hmm. and everyone just runs with it as like chinese restaurant syndrome even though i, I this is the, i i this is the this is my theory. This is this is like this is like kind of semi-obscured like Chinese like internal yeah, grudge that's the making. Origin point. Like you, like knowing the origin point makes a lot more sense now. To be honest, like why yeah. would this be some random like why would he specify a region like a very yeah. specific region? That's just I don't it's, know. I, yeah. I don't know that 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 that's my theory. I I could be wrong about this, but all it, it fits with all of the details. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. It, pan- it checks out. It checks out, I think. Yeah. So, OK. All right. So so th- this this letter happens and there's like a flurry of letters from other people talking about this. And 
Okay, I want to talk about why this got picked up the way it does. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to read a bit more. This is still in 68. Yeah, this is, this is still in 68. Okay. I'm, I'm going to read from... So every single article in this also goes exactly the same way. So I'm, I'm going to read from the men's health version so you get this section of it before I talk about why it's, I think, like not sufficient to capture what was happening. Mm-hmm. Mosby describes the late 50s as a time of heightened anti-Chinese sentiment. By the 1960s, domestic and international politics had shifted towards a fairly clear anti-communist agenda. In fact, he says, during this time, anti-Chinese sentiments was, were so widespread and accepted that most Americans didn't consider their apprehension to be racial bias. Now, this is true as far as it goes, but we need to go to ads. And when we come back from ads, I will tell everyone what else was going on yeah. during that week. Hell yeah. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor. Gene, we'll boot it. Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Jin, and Vlastar on the business. I understand now. He's a wise man who marries a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Jean. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Jean, run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return, your time won't, and we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, I'm home. Everyone knows that it's Dad's job to be a bit of a joker. Sorry I'm late, everyone. There was an accident at the factory. Monty fell into the upholstery machine. Don't worry, though. He's fully recovered. Good one, Dad. (sighs) Did you get the pizza for dinner? So he likes to keep everyone happy with some dad jokes. Yep, right here. I had a coupon, and it saved me a lot of... dough. Well, the truth is, Dad is just a fun guy. Hey, I'm not a mushroom. Please stop. Where does he get these stupid jokes from? He listens to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Oh, great. More dad jokes for me. We've delivered over 15,000 jokes to over 3 million listeners, and man, the postage fees are killing us. Listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, and we're back. We're back. We're talking about how this, like, letter to, like, a journal in New England suddenly became an entire, like, national Mm -hmm. American thing. Okay, so... The way this happened is that this got picked up by the news. Mm-hmm. Now, the, there's a huge New York Times article about this, and that article is published on May 19th, 1968. Now, Shireen, do you know what else was going on in May of 1968? I've heard a lot of shit went down in the 60s. Uh, yeah, so t- this is this is. Right. This is like smack dab in the middle of May 68 in France. This is this is 
like one week after the night of the barricades. Um, wow. Three days before this was published, the situationists who are like these this like ultra left student organization who who ha- who at this point are occupying their Sorbonne like they, they have fully taken control of their campus. They have run the mm-hmm. cops out. They have run the administration out um, three days before this is published. The students at the Sorbonne reacting to a factory occupation that they heard about send out this famous communique calling for the occupation of all factories in France. And like it fucking happens. Like the the workers in France take control of like a huge portion of France's factories. Like the Renault factories are under control of the workers. Um, like yeah, but by 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 this time, like this is happening, right? The the the, yeah. the, the police have like the police are fighting them, but they're losing. Um, two two days before this article is published, uh, the Sorbonne sends this to the Chinese consulate. Quote. Shake in your boots, bureaucrats. The international power of the workers' councils will soon wipe you out. Humanity won't be happy until the last bureaucrat is hung with the guts of the last capitalists. Long live the factory occupations. Long live the great Chinese proletarian revolution of 1927 betrayed by the Stalinist bureaucrats. It goes on and on. Like, wow. Th- this, wow. Is, this is what they're sending to the Maoists. Right. Right. Like, that. that is that is how far left these people are. Like, they, 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 are, they are telling the Maoist shake in your boots bureaucrats the international power of workers councils will soon wipe you out like it is wild in France yeah I mean the fact that this is happening all during all of that yeah Yeah, that's not not something uh I don't know. That's no. Yeah, to, no to one. Know. To, it's it's really important. I I, yeah. I I have never read an article that actually puts this together. And I just think it's not just that going on, right? Like, you know, it, it, if you look at the situation in France, they are a week and a half out from De Gaulle, who is the president, literally fleeing the country because he's so convinced that they're about to lose the country to communism. Like, well, and I should say, when I say communism, by the way, uh, p- part of that message to the. Uh, uh, to the Maoists is down with the state <laughs> revolutionary Marxism. So like that, that, that these are, these people are like, these people have, are Marxists who have gone like so far left. They've essentially right. become anarchists. It's, it's wild. I mean, you know, and also what's happening, like the, the, the Prague spring is happening during the middle of this. Mm. Um, this is also like, this is a month after the Holy week uprising in the U S which is wow. so a- after MLK was killed, there were these like, probably yeah. the most intense riots the u.s has ever seen like e- even like even more so than like the, the ones we saw in 2020 the holy week riot like there were like like there there were there were like like thousands of paratroopers were being deployed to like kill holy rioters shit. yeah I like it was fucking that. nuts yeah like that was that was probably the closest like some of the closest the U.S. has ever had to just like actually having a revolution, the government losing control of the entire country, and like, and while while this article is coming out, like there are still even in May the the, the, the Holy Week uprisings in April, but like even it like even in May there are still people on the streets fighting the cops, like while while this article is being written, and you know and, and, if you look at the there's something about. 68. Someone yeah, put a curse on that entire year. I mean, it, it's wild. Like six, May 16, like that, that, that year is just the year, like the entire world went through. I mean, there's like, like that, like they, they, I, I can't remember if they actually successfully overthrew the government. They like almost overthrew the government of Pakistan. Like a whole bunch of students get shot in Mexico because they were trying to bring yeah. down the government. Like it's everywhere. There was all this stuff going on. Um, and you know, also the other thing that's happening is we're, we're two years into the cultural revolution and it's kind of interesting because by by 68, we're kind of into the backlash phase of the Cultural Revolution where 
most of what's happening is that the sort of various rebel factions that formed in 1967 and 1966 are just getting like slaughtered by the sort of like state factions. And it's more, it's, it's, it's the cultural revolution. It's really complicated, but like by, by, by this point, the sort of like revolution part of it has like kind of calmed down and it's more the state in its sort of new form taking control. But you know, if you're living through this, right, it looks like the cultural revolution happens in, 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 um, in 66 and then you get 67. And then suddenly there was a cultural revolution happening literally everywhere. And this is the context of the MSG scare like kicks off in, right? It, it, it starts in like right in the middle of arguably the two most radical months of the entire 20th century. Wow. Yeah. And, and this is, this is the kind of shit that starts like just an absolute mania in the American mind that is powerful enough that like 60 years later, it's still around. I mean, it, it, it feels like the, f- it happening at such like a, a manic time, like people were probably already like kind of feeling that energy, right? Yeah, so like, like everyone. It, it was directed everywhere, even at this article. Yeah, and I, I genuinely think if if this had happened two months later or two months earlier, I don't think I don't think there would have been like a big scare about it. Like it might have been a thing that stuck around for a bit, but I, I think the fact that the end, the New York Times article ha- came out exactly. Like yeah. in the middle of May 68 and that like the original one comes out like right before the whole, like the original article that gets sent to the thing comes out like a couple of weeks before the Holy Week uprising. I, yeah. I, I think it was the fact that it was exactly in this moment where everyone on Earth is if you're living through this, like this is the capital R revolution like has yeah. come. And, you know, and, and that that shattered everyone's brains. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I, I wonder, like, do people remember what it was like? Like when, like when, like the height of 2020 was happening, like just yeah. how sort of wild, like it, it was just psychologically. Yeah, there was, I'm telling you, there was like an energy. Yeah, like just yeah. Like this collective, yeah. strange. I mean, like obviously it's different than it was in '68, but I really do agree with you. Like if it happened in January, I yeah, don't think I, I don't it would think be it, a thing. You know? Yeah, like, yeah. And you know, I, I so the, the the other thing that's interesting about about this whole sort of like Chinese restaurant syndrome is that. You could actually track its spread like across other countries by sort of like moments of like peak anti-Chinese like sentiment mm-hmm. and also anti-Japanese sentiment to a lesser extent because that 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 sort of replaces the anti-Chinese stuff by the time you get to the 80s and 90s. But well, not replaces, but it's like it's like the, the, the dominant mode of like we have mm-hmm. a person we need to be afraid of in East Asia. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, but th- there's an interesting. OK, so if if, if if you if you look up um, like if you're looking for like medical stuff about. Chinese restaurant syndrome. One of the things you will find is a case report of the Indian Journal of Critical Medical Care from 2017 claiming that they were treating a patient who got Chinese restaurant syndrome and like couldn't speak because the the thing in the back of his throat had like inflamed. And, mm-hmm. you know, and they had this whole thing about how, like this. This is like this is like a serious disorder. And they, they, they specifically cited that letter to the editor from 68. Wow. The power of that yeah. thing. And you know what? Okay, so if you look, what what was going on in in, in India in 2017? And it turns out the thing that's going on is like a giant rise in anti Chinese sentiment, culminating in the uh, 2017 Indian Chinese border incident. Where do, do you remember when all those guys were like beating each other to death in the mountains with sticks? 
Yeah, I, I, I do vaguely yeah. remember that. I, I've associated many times in my life, and especially post-pandemic, my brain is broken. But I do vaguely remember that. I, I had kind of forgotten about it. And then, and then I, I looked at this article on Solos in 2017. I was like, wait, hold on. Hold on. Wasn't that wasn't didn't didn't that happen in 2017? Wow. And it's funny because like, yeah, rise is entered rise again. Suddenly uh, uh, Chinese restaurant engine reappears. Wow. It's like, Woo! it's it's wow. really it's really incredible. It, it's it's. Yeah, it's an incredible set of brain worms. Um, I just, I mean, this is definitely not on topic, I guess, but even just seeing like COVID being blamed on China, like there's yeah. always like a like a, a way for ignorant people just to point the finger at China, which is really fucking shitty. It's so yeah. fucking shitty. It's, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, it's the sort of like, like what, one of the things you sort of need to have a national project is that in order for you to be a, in order for you to be like a nation, you have to have a you have to have an other. You have to have people who aren't part of the nation. Right. And yeah. the, the U.S. does this pretty effectively. They have they you know they, they can have this sort of rotating cast of people who like aren't yeah. like from the nation, right? Yeah. If you want to stay in, there are people that need to stay out. Yeah. yeah so sometimes it's with Mexico. Sometimes sometimes you get it with sort of like like internal subversion from like black people or like indigenous people. Yeah. But yeah, you know they have this rotating cast. China's always one of the ones that come back to because it's just big, and there's a lot of them. Yeah. And you know, and for that whatever makes it reason, really people are easily do. feared by it. Like I, I think it's because yeah. like it's unknown and un, like, maybe people don't understand it very well that don't look into it themselves and want to fucking be educated, but. For whatever reason, people fear it so easily, and it's so bizarre. It's so bizarre. Yeah, it it sucks. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, so we're, I'm gonna do an ad break, and then we're gonna talk about more of this stuff because it keeps going. Happy Pride from Tomboy X, celebrating Pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor. Gene, we'll boot it. Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Gene, and Vlastor on the business. I understand now. He's a wise man who marries a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Jean. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano. Huh? Oh. Jean, run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, guys. I'm home. Everyone knows that it's dad's job to be a bit of a joker. Sorry I'm late, everyone. There was an accident at the factory. Monty fell into the upholstery machine. Don't worry, though. He's fully recovered. <sighs> Good one, Dad. <sighs> Did you get the pizza for dinner? So he likes to keep everyone happy with some dad jokes. Yep, right here. I had a coupon. 
and it saved me a lot of dough. Well, the truth is, Dad is just a fun guy. Hey, I'm not a mushroom. Please stop. Where does he get these stupid jokes from? He listens to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Oh, great. More dad jokes for me. We've delivered over 15,000 jokes to over 3 million listeners, and man, the postage fees are killing us. Listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. All right. So obviously we're dealing with sort of anti-Chinese sentiment and anti-Japanese sentiments as, you know, anti-Japanese sentiment escalating as the 60s turned into like the 80s and 90s. But there's more going on here. Um, Part of the reason, you know, back back, like this in theory could have been about like soy sauce, right? Like there's a lot of things that they could have picked out of that to be the thing everyone freaks out about. But they, they picked MSG. And part of the reason they picked MSG is that this is the period when people start like figuring out that food additives exist. Mm. And hmm. people start to get really sort of touchy about it. And actually Ralph Nader, uh, famous I remember that guy. Yeah. So he's around in the sixties. Um, yeah. I mean, he's I'm, old as shit. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, you know, okay. So I, I give, I, I give him credit for, for like, he, he has probably saved, as many lives as like any other American single American you can name by being the guy who like lobbied to have seatbelts in cars being mandatory. Right. Yeah. I think that was not before because the U S is a like truly deranged country. Yeah. He wasn't half bad most of the time. Yeah. You know, he was but, fine. But come on. He's also one of the guys who's like the big pusher for getting the U S government to study MSG and a lot of other food additives in like 1960 and 1969. Mm. So, you know, and like there's a bunch of other food additives that, th- that they're studying the health effects of. And and on the one hand, you like, yeah, it probably is good to study the effects of like food additives because like, I don't know, companies do stuff that sucks all the time. And so it, it is good to study what's in your food. On the other hand. Wait, OK, but, this is going to sound really ignorant. So I apologize. What? Where again? If, if you already said this, where was it found? Where was MSG found? Is it created in a lab? Like, what's the what yeah, is the molecule? So, yeah, it, it, by by this point, it's basically created in a lab. The, the first time someone was able to distill it was they they did this whole distillation process from seaweed. See, oh where, yes, seaweed. seaweed. Yeah, Got but but by, by, by this point, it's uh, no worries. Yeah, no, like it, by 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 by. I mean, even by like the early 1920s, I think it, it's it's mostly being produced artificially, which is why right. everyone's okay. sort of that. But and like, it's it, easily it added. To yeah, yeah, and, and it makes it taste better. But like, yeah. like you know, it, it is something that like you like you can find it like in in dashi. Like you can find it in like soup broths and stuff like from yeah. there away from seaweed. So it's it's not like I mean I, I know. didn't know that I've I've known about MSG for all, most of my life, and I, I never like for whatever reason I, growing up we always associate it with sodium, like salt, salty. Yeah, things, well, I mean it is know? right. Like it, it is yeah. a kind of salt. Yeah, but. Like, I don't know, like people, people, people have this whole thing like, oh, it's artificial. It's like, like, yeah, we make it artificially, but like, it's not, it's not like it's not a thing that you can get out of plants. It's just that we don't do it that way because it's easier. Yeah. I mean, the source of it is not artificial, but also like you're going to be a stickler on this one thing when you eat like, I don't know, so many other 
and drink so many other things like there was cocaine and coke like, yeah I don't know. like it's just there's other I, things I, I, out every, there. every 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 american like in in 1969 is like by by their body volume drinking two pounds of lead a year so exactly. like it's so like, it's like, like, like <laughs> this is the thing you're gonna stick on yeah well and, and, and you know and th- th- this this is this is this is sort of the problem with with what ralph nader is doing with this sort of like pushing the government investigation of it is that like mm-hmm. you know like I, I i don't know how racist 1969 ralph nader was my my guess is that like I I I don't think that his big thing was we need to study this because it's the dirty Chinese like salt or mm-hmm. whatever. I, I I think I think he most he just wanted to he wanted a thing to study food additives. I could yeah. be wrong about that. I don't know. I haven't look, I've looked into this exactly zero percent. But like you know the problem is that what like once this sort of racial panic is going like you can't put you can't put the sort of cork back in the bottle. Right. And you know. Okay, so th- there have been a bunch of studies about this, um, and like, it, 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 but but you know, okay. So the, the the problem with what's happening is that because of the way MSG has been sort of racialized, like the studies don't matter. Like it it just does not matter what yeah. anyone actually sort of writes about it until you get an actual cultural change because the studies the science like is irrelevant. Um, they have the study to justify a bunch of things, and that's the only study they care about. Like, yeah, yeah, it's it's, like, it's 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 yeah. it's like the like vac it's like the like the fake vac- vaccines cause autism shit. Like, right? No, it's they they just believe this. They have one paper that's literally a joke. Exactly, that and that's they, what they, they hold claim, on to. Does it? Yeah, it, that's there like there could be seventeen I, I, others that disprove it, but like no, yeah, there's like one. a million others. Like that. that and by yeah. the way, that study, I, I want to point this out. The methodology of that study was they asked parents who thought their kids had developed autism because of the vaccine if they thought their kids had developed autism because of the vaccine, and then the parents said yes, and that's the study. That, that's the study. Yeah. That's not a fucking study. That's it's a poll. not. It's a joke. That's like, a poll. It, it's it's literally a Twitter poll that like got published and then retracted because wow. it was a Twitter poll, right? Like th- this this is the scientific basis of all this bullshit. And, and, what? And this I is, guess what what qualifies as a fucking study then? Like I, you can you can I don't know you can you can publish fucking anything if you put your wow. mind to it. This is this this is this is what I'm telling all of you. Like follow your dreams. Try to get something published. They published this bullshit. So wow. like you know I'm gonna I'm gonna do a study. <laughs> yeah. Well, the other thing, the other thing specifically, like, there, there's a real problem here with like with this is specific thing with medical studies because like you can have a medical study that you get published with a sample size of one because right. it's you found a thing in a guy and you're like, oh, I'm gonna publish this. But mm-hmm. you like medical studies, like, oh, you can just like you could publish any bullshit and like, wow. uh, it sucks. But okay, yeah. so all right, like lots of so th- th- after this, there are lots of studies by lots of people and. Like mostly what they find is they can't find any. Okay. So there's some like initial studies that like find some alarming stuff in mice. But mm. the problem with these studies is that what they're doing is, okay. Yeah. It turns out if you take a mouse and you just like fill a syringe with MSG and inject them with it, it's bad for them. Oh, but, you like, think so? Like, yeah. Like, oh mouse. shit. Yeah. You, you would, you injected a mouse with pure salt and like, bad things happen. Like, yes. If, if you took a human being and you injected oh. fucking a third of a cup of MSG directly into their veins, it would probably be bad for them. Yeah, right? like, I it's like so. Okay, you know, right. Um, and they found out, the conclusion from that was basically like, okay, if someone ate like a third of a cup of MSG raw, having not eaten for like 48 hours, uh-huh. it would probably do things that are not great for you. 
But can't you say that about a bunch of other fucking things? Yeah. Like, like, I don't, like, I don't know. If, 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 if you didn't eat for 24 hours and ate a third of a cup of salt, like, that's probably, that's not good for you. Like, no. don't do that. <laughs> so, like, you know, okay. Um, very, very specific circumstances have to light up for you to have yeah. any reaction to MSG. So, th- there's a study from 2000 where they, they also, this is also another empty stomach study, by the way, because they've, okay, they, no one has ever been able to replicate, like, any of these results with a person eating food that has MSG in it, they've never been able to do it. They've been able to get some results if you have people eat, like, basically pure MSG and have not eaten any food, like, around like, it. Yeah, like it's like, okay. That's useless, because the the molecule at that point, it probably interacts with other things. And that you know what I mean? Like, if it's just by itself, I'm, I'm, it's not the actual... I don't know. Yeah, um, I, I, I'm not very good at chemistry, so I'm gonna. I'll let the chemistry nerds argue I about did, this. I did fail AP Chem, so Oof. same. Great. Yeah. Oof. I I luckily I only had to take right chemistry <laughs> in. So I, I just didn't take AP Chem because I was like I suck. I, I took A Chem like my fir- my freshman year, and I was like, let's it's not hard. do this again. No. <laughs> I can't do this. I just I don't take chemistry physics instead. is the thing. I wanted to be a psychiatrist for a really long time, but mm. failing AP Chemistry and just experiencing chemistry, I was like, I can't do yeah, this. Yeah, <laughs> it it sucks. It's the worst. Yeah. But okay, so the, the reason I was talking about the like vaccines cause autism, like right. autism shit, is that there was another thing with MSG where people were claiming that it was causing asthma. And huh. it no, they had there's they had another like an incredibly elaborate pseudoscience bullshit about like MSG like so getting absorbed like getting absorbed improperly through like like fetal membranes that's like completely fuck? nonsense like what the fuck? it doesn't yeah people people like what white, white people love to say that the diseases they've gotten from fucking the fact that like their their the air in their house is 97% CO2 yeah. by volume and like and and because because they've decided to run an entire country by just putting fucking trucking yards everywhere yeah. Like, okay. It has the, the, to be a, a finger to point at, right? Like, it can't be yeah, the yeah, environment no, it, it, it can't or, or be your the bad quality, genes, right? you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, also, I, should, I should point, I should, I should make this clear, by the way. When I, when I, when I, when I, when I, when I say, when I say that, like, autism is, not, sorry, when I, when I say that asthma specifically is, is, when I talk about the bad air, I'm specifically talking about asthma. I'm not talking about autism with that. That, that, that is not what causes autism or whatever. Like, yeah. it's autism just I, a thing I got you're what you with. mean. I got and, what you mean. Yeah. But good and it's cool. Yeah. And also, yeah. fuck autism speaks. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I I I want to put that on the record. That's what I mean. I'm not I'm not saying that trucks cause autism. They don't. Like, yeah. No. But yeah. yeah. So okay. But there's a lot of like incredibly weird racial, very dumb anti scientific panic mm-hmm. about it. It's possible that there exists a group. So originally it was about like like anyone who eats this will have these symptoms, right? And then over time the argument got sort of fizz down to there might be a group of people who in the populate like a small group of people who are like specifically sensitive to it and that's probably plausible like there's some experimental evidence that shows that there could be a group of people for whom they're more sensitive to it than a regular person and that's i don't fair. know sure people, people have are, allergies like whatever yeah exactly like, people are allergic yeah. to peanuts and soy and the bunch yeah of other yeah like things. it's not like like, like yeah it, 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 it's, it's not a thing to sort of like yeah, I don't know. Like, yeah. if if you're a person who gets allergy reactions to shit, like, yeah, that's allergies, right? But like, it, it's it's not the sort of like, I don't know. It, it the 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 panic about it is utterly unjustified. There may be of there may be a group of people who it has some effect on because they're allergic to it or whatever. But 
Yeah, imagine imagine demonizing peanuts because there's a group of people that can't eat peanuts. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, like that is that's so that's why? Like why would you ever do that? Uh, to be fair, I I I I I am okay with demonizing peanuts specifically specifically if it gets people to stop fucking uh, wor- worshipping that bastard Jimmy Carter who was a neoliberal ghoul and his reputation has been fucking uh, just like like his, his, his reputation has been saved entirely by the fact that every single person who came after him was an utterly deranged war criminal and his war crime was like Wait, what's su- su- suppressing a well he was a peanut farmer oh <laughs> Sorry. I yeah. Don't. Sorry. This is this is this is this is the uh, this is this is the 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 the, the, the deep Jimmy Carter lore. Yes. Yes. <laughs> for the, for I, the I, real I'm Jimmy on, heads out there. Now. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Okay. But you know. All right. So g- g- going back, I think. Uh, so th- this was a kind of thing that like, you know, people avoiding MSG is just kind of had just kind of been like like a part of daily life. Like it was just like a thing mm-hmm. that existed in the world, but it wasn't like at a certain point it 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 became the kind of thing that people would talk about like in conversation. And like they'll, they, you, you know, you could just get people to do anti MSG rants, but it wasn't really a sort of like mainstream political issue in the way that it had been like in like 1969, where there's, well, the, the other thing that happened is in the 90s, the FDA did a study about it. Mm-hmm. The FDA was like, it's fine. <laughs> like, right. don't, don't, don't eat 300 grams of it at one time. Like, but yeah. like as, long, as long as you're not sitting there, like eating MSG raw out of the fucking, like, they would say tin. the same thing about like high fructose corn syrup. You know yeah, what I why? mean? Like, yeah. And like, like by, by volume, high fructose corn syrup has killed way more people than exactly. MSG. That's what I was also, thinking. also yeah. now, now there's like a whole thing about like MSG causing obesity, which I, eh. I, I don't know if that's true or not. I think their studies are fucking whack, but you know, it's, it's, yeah. it, it might cause obesity like every other food that the U S has made in the last 20 years. Exactly. <sighs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. And what, uh. one, 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 one day we will do a, a episode about like the politics of anti-fatness because it's fucked. But yes, today we're, we're doing this episode and okay. So, you know, every once in a while, the way the way this stuff sort of works, every once in a while, there would be a sort of like like a, a mainstream like Asian American figure who would talk about it. So, for example, there's 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 a Korean chef named David Chang who talks mm-hmm. about it, um, and he he did some like he gave speeches about it and the sort of demonization of it. But it, it didn't really get back to mainstream discourse until 2020 when our good friends Ajinomoto, the people who made uh, the stuff in the first place, uh, hired a bunch of Asian American like celebrities. To do a pro MSG campaign, so they hired Eddie Huang, who's like a writer and chef, who's like probably most famous for like being the guy who wrote Fresh Off the Boat. Mm. And so that they have this whole sort of campaign, and this like takes off, right? Like he he this is this is one of those things that was like completely forgotten that happened in 2020 that no yeah. one now remembers because this happens like before COVID, like before we had the lockdowns and before, uh, I mean, I'll be honest. I, it's, it escapes my memory. Oh, I, I, I have no memory of this happening either, but yeah. apparently it did. I don't know. I was, I, I, I think this was still while the, I think this was while the election was still going on. Mm. So yeah, yeah I paid no attention to this. It wasn't the best this. time to, to do that. Yeah. Maybe. 2020, the year, everything happens. Yeah. But okay. So, you know, this campaign like takes off, like, like Eddie Huang's on, on, NBC and they do like the talk mm-hmm. show circuit with Jenny Amai advocating for like so th- th- their whole thing is that they, they wanted to remove Chinese restaurant syndrome from the dictionary mm. and they had this whole like hashtag redefine CRS is like the redefine Chinese restaurant restaurant syndrome and this is like a whole thing 
And, you know, and there's, there's, there's something, okay, but th- this was one of the things that sort of drew me to the story, because if you look at the press for this, right, it's like activist pressure, Marion Webster, and like, that's kind of true. Like, it superficially, it is kind of what happened. And like, yeah, I'm glad the dictionary changed the entry to say like, this is like outdated and kind of bullshit, but like, okay, think about what actually happened here, right? A company that makes a product hired a bunch of a bunch of sort of Asian American like big celebrity people to do a marketing campaign for them in the name of anti-racism which like yes I I I I am glad we are addressing the racism around MSG however comma I feel like it, it it's a really sort of like it's a, it's a really literal example of the kind of like vapidity and listlessness of like Asian American identity and culture and politics right. like pre-covid yeah. Like this is this is this is this has happening like early January, right? So COVID is still right. sort of like some disease in China. Like we haven't hit full racism yet. And again, like this is not like an activist campaign, you know. I mean, like activists get on board with it, I guess. Mm-hmm. But like activism is doing an ad campaign for a company that makes salt. Right. Yeah. It's not exactly grassroots or yeah. And and. You know, okay, and, and it works, right? Like this, this is the thing that like the Asian American community like picks up, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, sort of. I don't know. I I don't remember it, but I when I look looking looking back on the articles and the hashtags and stuff, it's like wow, they got lots of tweets. But you know, I I I think I think the reason that this worked is is because of the sort of self conception of like Asian Americanness as this like backstory of like like immigrants stepping off the boat and they start a restaurant and then your kids get an education so they enter the professional class and like there isn't like i don't know like this is in fact this is literally like part of the reason i was doing this also is like this is literally what happened to my family like they like they showed up from taiwan they worked in a restaurant then they opened a restaurant and then like i don't know like every successive generation well okay i was gonna say every every successive generation got more like professionally but Mm-hmm. Like I have a bunch of doctors, but then, but then they also produce me, who's a podcaster. So I'm <laughs> I'm de- defying Asian American stereotypes by yes. being uh, more dipshit than my parents. Um, <laughs> but you know, like this has become like this single sort of cultural narrative of like what it is to be an Asian American, right? Like you see this in every single story that Asian American media like has produced in the last like ten years. It has one plot, right? There's a family in the U.S. They're trying to fit in. They almost always have some kind of small business. And then something appears that challenges their ability to, like, assimilate into American society. Mm-hmm. This is, and then, you know, they deal with it, and that's the end, right? This is the plot of Crazy Rich Asians. It's a plot of everything everywhere all at once. the plot of Fresh Off the Boat. It's the plot of the fucking CW Kung Fu show. It is the plot, like, literally everything that, like, we produce has one plot, and it's this. Yeah. And the reason why... Is it's, you know, the reason why this is the only sort of like piece of media that that the the sort of Asian American culture class has been able to produce is the reason why all the fucking activism and ad campaigns are just like fucking we got hired by a company and we're going to talk about where racism racism is bad so that this company can sell more product. Like the reason it's this is because this is an incredibly marketable self-conception of Asian Americanness, like the the conception of it uh, as being restaurant owners is there because it's, it's, it's a form of culture that can be sold to white people. Right. Yeah. It's, hey, look, we're different. We eat wacky food, but you can eat it, too. And ultimately, we're all in this for capitalism and the patriarchal family, like, just like you are. Don't worry. It's going to be fine. And, you know, that that really depresses me because 
the, this the, this is a moment that demands something else and and I think that's why kind of like I think that's why the sort of mainstream like Asian American reaction to like you know like the, there was there was another I, there there was another Asian woman like who got stabbed to death like two weeks ago and there was like fucking no coverage of it like nobody gave a yeah. shit it's just gotten to the point where like this happens like six people report on it and then everyone just sort of moves on to their life and and it goes I, and, away. yeah and, and and i think the reason why the sort of like stop asian hate shit has gotten to a, you know like it's gotten it, it, it's gets gone through the sign cycle where everyone like had the signs up and then they took them down right and so you know like and, and I, th- I think the reason why it was tr- it turned into this sort of like like the, the organizing turned into this like incredibly vapid like put a sign in your store like tweet a hashtag stuff like is because of this is is because what like what what it means to be sort of Asian American has been hollowed out and hollowed out and hollowed yeah. out and sold and sold and sold for just decades and decades and decades. And now, you know, like in in a time when it's actually sort of like, you know, when it when it's really in danger and is called to action, it hasn't been able to do much. Right. And well, yeah, pointing out the film and TV thing is really important because, I mean, so many marginalized communities have this experience but i think china like asian culture in particular i think it really people if they're ignorant and they just see what's depicted on media they don't see them as three-dimensional beings you know what i mean what they have is like a a very hollow version of a human and so i don't know it's it it kind of upsets me because i feel like media is the first thing people learn things from whether it's film or tv or whatever but yeah. Well, and also, I, I think it's I think it's part of the reason why, like, the the the, the way that those those depictions sort of obscure class, mm-hmm. where you know, because in these things, right, like a lot of these families are poor, but they're still business owners, right? Right. And that that's like like if if, if you're a poor American, it's well, it's because you're a business owner, you're like a sort of struggling like American entrepreneur, and this obscures the fact that there there is a massive Asian American just underclass people who are like who are delivery drivers or work in warehouses or. You know, I mean, like there, there, there are who, there are groups of people who like come to the U.S. from China who, you know, like live in like basically completely isolated communities in parts of Chinatown where they're only speaking Chinese and they just right. fucking like they're the people who have to do a bunch of like warehouse shit and mm-hmm. then they leave and that's it, right? Like, and and these these people, this shit never you like you never actually get any kind of sort of class analysis because the, the the way that media thinks about asian americans is like there's there's one of they're either one of three things they're a business owner they're like a rich professional so they're like a doctor or something mm-hmm. or they're like the fucking people on bling where they're just like super rich assholes right and that that allows i think like a specific kind of anti-asian politics to work that like asian people are seeing this sort of like perpetual like foreign elite and it's like no i don't yeah. know like it's it's just not, you know, it's it's not true, and it, and it, and it means that when you get like Asian American political movements, like the sort of stop anti Asian hate thing, right? Like you have like the guy who founded DoorDash, right? Mm-hmm. Is like is 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 an Asian is like a Chinese American guy, right? He's like a, he used to he's a tech billionaire. He used to be like an eBay, and like you know, you would have these stop Asian hate events where like this fucking guy is is on there, like is up on the stage talking about anti Asian hate, and right. it's like okay, yeah. this guy has like brutally and horribly exploited like literally millions of Asian Americans. But, you know, there's, 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 there's no, there's, there's never going to be a reckoning with that yeah. because, you he's know, successful the, the, and he's, yeah. he's capitalist. Like he's achieved the capitalist dream or whatever the shit. Yep. You know? And, and, be, and, be, and be, because, because Asian American identity has been flattened in this way, 
like th- those people are just completely invisible and it, yeah. it sucks and I hate it. And yeah. 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 I, it's just, I don't know. There's nothing good. I can like <laughs> anything I can say to make anything better, but I think it's just, I don't know. Maybe we can do an episode one day about like film and and TV and stuff because I think it really starts yeah, there. I, Unfortunately, <laughs> like like it's it's silly, but people that don't know a Chinese person will see a Chinese person on their TV and be like, "X like that, that's the only Chinese person I've ever seen in my life." And I'm going to make assumptions about the whole race now. But one one but one day know. I'm going to do an ep- we're going to do an episode that's entirely me shitting on Jackie Chan. Um, people are going to get really mad at me, but, uh, fuck that guy. That's, that's a hot take. That's he started his take. career as a fucking scab. That was literally his first thing was he was a scab and he's, wow. yeah, he's a fucking homophobic piece of shit. Fuck him. Uh, yeah. Done irreparable damage. I'm down for this episode. Let's do it. Yeah. All right. That, 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 that will be a, we are, we are, yeah. we are now just part of the episode, but we are teasing yeah. you with subsequent episodes. Yes. <laughs> but yeah. But yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. It is a little bit upsetting how these really important movements are just like they, they plateau and they become like this vapid thing, like you're saying. Like, I think that gives people such an easy out of like, quote unquote, being an ally or supporting because they yeah. think they're doing something by like holding up a sign or something without really internalizing or spreading the the awareness that is necessary. And uh, I don't know. I guess, I guess the the thing I want to end on also is me being pissed off at a bunch of Asian American kids in the '60s. So one of the stories you will hear a lot if you're studying Asian American politics is like is the story that like the term Asian American was invented by these like activists who actually were like doing a bunch of stuff in 1968. Mm-hmm. Um, who were these like student act like these radical student activists? And like that's true, but the, the thing you have to understand about those people is that all of those people were like. Like all, all of those people were basically like were, were third worldists, and part of the reason this whole politics collapses. Well, a part of the reason, part of what happened was like part of the demands of these students in 1968 of these sort of like radical student groups. Like you know, they're, they're formed to sort of like support the sort of like black radical student groups mm-hmm. and to like advocate for themselves. But like one of their big demands was they wanted cultural studies departments in in American universities, and they got them. Mm-hmm. But you know, okay, so what 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 are those cultural studies? Like departments, they basically just became these giant traps for radicals where instead of like overthrowing the government, you like come do this cushy job in academia. Right. And like all, all of all of the sort of like old radicals like from that era either like got regular jobs or became like became academics. Right. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that happened with this politics that was the reason why it was completely unsustainable was that and this this is this has been a sort of a problem with the Asian American identity. Right. Is that, OK, like what the fuck is an Asian American? Right. It's like. Anyone from like, I don't know, like it's, it's anyone from like the like the edge of the Pacific to like I don't know, like how 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 far how far like I I what's it called like how far how far west does that go the other direction like who knows right. it, it's like how it's big an incoherent is the swath of yeah of all like of that, I yeah. mean this is like billions and billions and billions of people with completely unrelated cultures and languages and stuff like that and yeah. and the reason they were able to do this right was because they were mirroring their movement off of like the third world. Right. Mm. But the problem that they ran into, and this is the problem with all the third world movements was that, okay, so the, the third world movement, like as a thing was, it was based on a bunch of different nationalist movements, right? Like it was based on that. There was going to be this like alliance between like 
the sort of like the the, the rising socialist powers in Africa and the rising socialist powers in uh, uh, in East Asia, and they were going to sort of like ally with like the rising sort of like minor like the, the the rising sort of like minorities gaining power in the U.S. But okay, if you look at those nationalisms, right, you have. Chinese nationalism, Cambodian nationalism, and Vietnamese nationalism all colliding with each other. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if it, it turns out like, what? okay, so what 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 happens if your movement is based on sort of like the, the unity of a bunch of nationalist movements and they go to war with each other? And, you know, what happened was when 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 China, when Vietnam invades Cambodia in and in, in, in Vietnam invades Cambodia and then China invades Vietnam in 1979, right? That entire politics is just fucked because what 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 are you supposed to do? Like, what's whose whose side are you supposed to take here? Right? right? Like, yeah. you you can do the you know like if 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 you're gonna be like a Marxist if, like a Marxist Leninist, like the probably the correct line is support Vietnam, right? Right. But that's a mess because you know how, how many people are Maoists, right? Yeah. And if you but but you know if you're a Maoist and your fucking people just invaded Vietnam, like you know what are you supposed to do, right? And this, this, there was there were earlier tensions with this too, where like. Like China, China was backing like a really shitty faction in Angola, who ended up, ended up being backed by the U.S. and like South Africa, and that caused a whole bunch of tensions between the sort of Chinese Maoists and a bunch of the sort of black radical groups because they were like, "Why the fuck are you guys backing these people in Angola?" But, but you know, and 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 this this whole thing became a problem because all of these nationalisms are competing nationalisms, right? There, there was never going to be one unified third world. It was always it was always going to end with a bunch of nationalists fucking fighting each other. And when that happens, the Asian, like the Asian American movement, such as it was, just fucking died. And you know, like as a radical movement, it was just over. And so, you know, I, I think, I think, the, 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 the lesson that I would take out of this is just that, like, do not build, do not build your movement based off of someone else's nationalism, because those people are going to do things because they're nationalists that are just fucked. Right. They're going to they're going to invade Vietnam like Cam, like the your, like the Cambodians are going to invade Vietnam. And then Vietnam's going to like, you know, like are, are arguably justifiably because they've been getting attacked and because they're fighting the Khmer Rouge. But like, you know, they're they're These people are all going to go to war with each other. Right. Like you're or, or you know, you're, you're going to be stuck in the situation where like you're 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 being forced to choose sides between like the Derg and the and like the, the Marxist government in Somalia because they've they've randomly gone to war with each other. So don't do this. Um, this has been my rant that I wanted. I wanted to do about this because, yeah. No, I'm glad you did. I'm glad that I was here for it too. Because I don't know. It's good to know this this stuff, and I get to learn by listening to you tell me. <laughs> um, and yeah, I I appreciate all the research that you did. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. So I guess th- this has been it. Can happen here. Yeah. Yeah. That's the episode. You can find us. Uh, happen here pod um uh, twitter and instagram i'm at it me chr3 um yeah yeah i'm at shiro hero 666 on twitter and then on instagram just take out the 666s but maybe i should add them because who cares (laughs) (laughs) anyway thanks bye It Could Happen Here is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find sources for It Could Happen Here updated monthly at coolzonemedia.com slash sources. Thanks for listening. Happy Pride from Tomboy X, celebrating pride and the queer community all year 
Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at First, first Listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily Podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.